Hello and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Johnny McFarlane and as usual I'm joined by Mr Scott McDermott. Today we have had a number of questions from you, the listeners, so we're going to go through them. Expect Alfredo Morelos transfer talk, Nikola Katic and his injury, and of course the effect that that is going to have on the defence. Scott, first up, uh, you've been taking up golf. I hear, I hear you've done okay. <laughs> You might have beaten my driving records I'm, I'm quite getting considerably. There, I have to do something with the five aside. Do you know what I mean? So I can turn my hand to any sport, Johnny. You know that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're certainly better than me. Um, and I've been taking lessons as well from uh, Alistair Forsyth, uh, who's a fairly well-known former pro. Yeah. Um, and good, he's, good he's tweeted Rangers to fan. ask... Big Rangers fan. He's tweeted in to ask how my golf is. Uh, he should know it's not very good, but I'm working. I'm working hard. Um, it's 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 a real curse having a lack of uh, hand to eye to ball coordination. Um, so we're getting there. So if anybody's got any tips on how I can improve my golf, um, other than watching Scott, uh, please yeah. let us know. Um, stick, with, got... stick with me and you'll be okay, Johnny. Stick with me and you'll be all right. <laughs> Um, I've had a bit of a mirror today because uh, I've asked if we've got Amy questions rather than any. So uh, a poker chips now is saying, who's Amy? Uh, I don't know. And I hope my wife doesn't see that. Right. Let's get into some of the real uh, nitty gritty of this podcast with some questions. And first up, we've got Joe Water Anderson asking about uh, Alfredo Morelos. He says, should Rangers keep Morelos? If not, who should they go for? I reckon a young striker. We need to keep spotting talent and selling for a profit. Even 15 million for Morelos is a huge profit. Now, this is the big question, Scott. We've been mulling it over for quite some time. But one thing that I did notice uh, in the Daily Record online yesterday was some quotes from Jurgen Klopp on Rian Brewster. Now, we know Rangers have gone back to Liverpool to negotiate deals for the past two seasons. Do you think there could be another deal with Liverpool for one of their players, even if it's not Brewster, in, in the incoming? Well, there could be, Johnny. I mean, that's obviously a route that Steven Gerrard has opened to him. Uh, now, that's been proven by getting uh, Ovi Ajaria, uh, Ryan Kent, Shiojo. Um, so there's no doubt Gerrard will constantly have an eye on who's available at Liverpool, <clears throat> whether it be at first team level or just under first team level. He'll know uh, guys that are not available for loan or coming out of contract or whatever. Brewster is an obvious one because of his potential. Uh, what he's done uh, on loan at Swansea so far, you know, he seems to have taken to the championship pretty well, scored a few goals. Um, I actually watched him in a game the other day against Sheffield Wednesday and he played He played well. Uh, played well actually in a a kind of poor Swansea team. They didn't actually play well in the day, but um, he certainly caught the eye. So you would imagine that, that Liverpool will be looking at getting Brewster another loan uh, for the start of next season. You've got to think Swansea will be in pole position for that, given you know, the manager there has worked with Brewster at uh, international level and is close to him. Um, but I don't doubt that Rangers will have some kind of interest there and be watching that. We interest whether Morelos goes or not. Um, the question of whether they should keep Morelos, of course, they should keep him um, in terms of you know, trying to stop 10 in a row, trying to win a title. 
So he's one of your biggest assets, um, if not the biggest. However, there's obviously the flip side to that, which is you no know, do do Rangers cash in on him if a big if a big offer comes in. Um, and I just think going back a couple of weeks ago, uh, the the Sunday papers uh, interviewed Stephen Gerrard for the first time this summer, <clears throat> and you no, know, we specifically asked him about. Morelos as to whether he expected him to be leading the line for Rangers come August the 1st and he couldn't really give an answer and it was slightly different to what, what the manager has said previously because normally he's been very adamant No, Morelos is going nowhere he'll be here, we want him here etc etc but he was he was fairly non-committal and, and basically admit, although he's always said that every player's got his price quite specifically said he didn't know or he couldn't say whether Morelos would be leading the line for Rangers come the, the start of the season because if offers come in they would they would have to look at them and it just made me wonder at the back of my mind whether Steven Gerrard is now seriously thinking about life without Alfredo Morelos and if that big bid comes in you know, will Rangers take it no, make a huge profit on a player they sign for a million quid, which they can then uh, strengthen their squad with uh, ahead of what's what's obviously a crucial season. Uh, and I just wonder whether the you know, the much publicised kind of disciplinary issues that Morelos has had, culminating in the you no know, the most recent one at, at Tynecastle, obviously when he, he wasn't there for a, a Scottish Cup tie, and Gerard was was livid afterwards. I just wonder whether the manager's now thinking about uh, life without him and trying to trying to strengthen that Rangers squad without Morelos in it. Yeah, one of the things that it would be natural for Rangers to do would be to move on Alfredo Morelos because if you can get a guy in for a million, keep him around for a few seasons with him being the top scorer, really coming along in terms of his game, becoming a Colombian international then it makes sense under the business model that Rangers have is to, yeah, to shift them on for a, for a good profit. However, the kind of logic that, that follows from that might not apply to this season because of the whole yeah. 10 in a row excitement that's going to take place. Yeah. And that, that's the, the dilemma for Gerard. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. But the, the thing that Gerard has said over and over again, Scott, that really strikes me when you talk about Alfredo Morelos is he talks about trust in players. Yep. He talks about why Ryan Jack is one of his favourite players because he can trust him, he knows he can go out there and he's amongst a number in that team, a core that Gerard has been criticised for sticking by. But I think it's because the manager knows what he's getting, he knows he'll get a minimum of 7 out of 10, they might not influence the game completely every week but you just steady, eddy performances there. And I think with Alfredo Morelos, he might have looked at this and thought to himself, can I trust this lad? Yes, he was brilliant in that first part of the season. He was absolutely wonderful, especially in European games. Yeah. But you know what? See, when you start to analyse his uh, Premier League record, it's about one goal in every two games. And he might think to himself, I could do with a striker that's scoring one and one. I could do with a little bit more of a prolific guy in the Premiership. That's where we need to be getting the results. It's, it's all very well doing well in Europe, but this season it's all about Scottish domestic football. Yeah, but it's I just, think when you combine the... those two factors, Scott, when you combine yeah. those two factors, I think you might have thought, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm just going to take an offer if it comes in. Yeah, 
I, I agree, as I've said, that I think he will be thinking about it now. But the, again, the, the dilemma is, can you get somebody in? I don't doubt Rangers will have no, a list, as long as you're armed, of potential replacements for Morelos. And I, I certainly don't doubt, under the current setup with, with Ross Wilson, the way they're operating just now, that they, they won't have done their homework on so many strikers and they will know exactly... Um, the type of striker that they want, no, the kind of level of money that they'd be willing to pay out, stuff like that. But the key thing is, and you've touched on it, the importance of this season is such that, I mean, Joe, the listener there saying, go and get a young striker like Morelos with potential and no, build him up again. In theory, of course, that's great. That has to be the model. But this season of all seasons, if Morelos goes... Rangers need a guy to come in and hit the ground running and immediately give them a return and immediately start scoring goals. There can be no settling in period for new strikers. That that probably goes for any player, that any new player that they bring into the squad. This season is so vital that they cannot afford, we've said it before, cannot afford any passengers, cannot afford guys coming in on loan and taking their time to settle and... No, like an Ojo where he's brilliant one game and no, you don't see him the next. They cannot afford that. If Morelos goes, they need a ready-made striker who almost, as certain as you can be, almost guarantees them goals, um, domestic goals. Europe, of course, would be a bonus. And when you look at, I mean, I actually watched a couple of Morelos' goals from Europe this morning just because they popped up on social media, like the one against Porto at, at Ibrooks which was a sensational finish. Arguably, I would say, one of his best goals of the season. To, to replace that immediately, you know, replace that quality of, of finishing at that level is going to be difficult for Rangers, but that will be the dilemma when it, comes, uh, when it comes to thinking about letting Morelos go. The big news coming out over the last few days is obviously the injur- injury to uh, Nikola Katic, that is going to be a problem now for Ross Wilson and Stephen Gerrard, Scott. They're yep. going to have to decide whether or not to go back in the market or to stick with what they have. Now, in terms of what they have there, they've signed Calvin Bassey, who can play sort of left central defender. I think he's more comfortable in a three, and he's certainly more comfortable at fullback. But if yep. you're asking whether or not he can slot in as the fourth choice, uh, I think they probably could be comfortable with that. You've also got players like young Lewis Mayo in the background who are coming through and showing real potential. But as you say, it is a 10 in a row season. <laughs> the pressure is going to be enormous. And for quite some time, we have been talking about whether or not Rangers need an experienced centre half in there. Now, Stephen Gerrard quite rightly could say, Scott, look at the table. The table does not lie. The statistics do not lie. When the season was called, Rangers and Celtic last season had lost the same amount of goals. That's a championship-winning defence. And he might also point to the fact that a number of the goals that were conceded were not about organisation or structure or poor coaching. There were abysmal defensive individual mistakes in there. So he might say, take those away. This is a better defence than what Celtic had. And they spent a fortune on the defence last season, including Christopher Julian, who's arguably the best defender in the league. Now, what side do you come down on this? Should they go out and get another defender? Should they get someone in on loan? What's the answer? It's tough. I mean, I've been thinking about it for a few days, Johnny, since the the Katic injury came out. Um, 
I, I think Rangers will go into the market and get somebody, um, but I think it will be a short-term fix, and that will be either a loan player, but I don't think it will be a young loan player. I think it would be a loan uh, for a fairly experienced centre-back or a guy no mid-20s with a lot of games under his belt, mid to late 20s, or they'll just go and get a permanent guy, but it will be an experience like uh, Gareth McCauley most recently, or going back like a Ugo Eheog or a Davy Weir or, or whoever it might be. I've seen Richard Goff even mentioned the, this morning uh, way back in the day when he when he came back in. I, I think they will. I think he'll want a fourth centre back for the amount of games Rangers are going to have. You no, know, domestically and in Europe, it's obviously a slightly more condensed season. Uh, the games um, coming thick and fast. I think he'll want four out-and-out centre-backs. I think Goldson and Hillander will undoubtedly start the season as his uh, pair at the back. I think Edmondson provides good backup. But Katic definitely gave them something a bit different and proved no, many times on the big stage, whether it be in Europe or in the Old Firm game, uh, certainly the last Old Firm game at Celtic Park, that he could you know, really put in a strong performance. Um and he's part of that, as you say, that defence that, that was that was probably good enough to, to go and win a title. Um I know what you're saying about Bassey could play in there. Obviously Ross McCrory might come back and I suppose you could you no, know, you could slot him in there as your fourth choice. I haven't seen enough of Lewis Mayo, I must admit. I've not seen enough youth or reserve games to make a call on him. I don't know whether he's good enough or not. I hope he is because no, ordinarily I would be all for no any manager if you're looking at four centre backs, your fourth one being a kid for the academy who you can bring into the first team squad training and nurture along and try and get him a, a, a few games. That is undoubtedly the way to go if the young player is good enough. Um, and I say I don't know if Lewis Mayo is or not. Stephen Gerrard will know uh, will know far more than me on that. But I, I just get a feeling because of what we said about the importance of this season, I think he'll want to cover himself and go in and get one more centre back. I don't think they'd spend a lot of money on it, but I think they would want somebody in there. Um, because if anything happened to Goldson or Hillander, who's obviously just coming back for an injury. They would have, they would have, a, they would have a real issue in there. Yeah, one of the uh, listeners has asked about whether or not there should be a Richard Goff type player. This is uh, yeah. a question that you see quite often, but I mean, th- these guys are not available for the kind of money that Rangers are looking to spend. I mean, Richard Goff nowadays would probably be worth 40, 50, 60 million quid, um, yeah. given that he was the captain of Tottenham when Rangers went down to snap him up. Yeah. So. It's very, very difficult, but I do know what the the listeners getting at, Scott. It's that experienced leader who can drag you through. But I, I, is that us almost harking back to a different type of football, a different time? No, no. Listen, I think the listener is saying, that, no, is referring to when Rangers went and get golf back for for his second spell. No, when he went to America and Rangers needed a ah, stopgap yeah. centre back. No, they weren't. Perhaps you're right. Yeah, I think he's meaning getting somebody of that ilk in. In the same way as uh, Rangers you know, get Gareth McCauley, as I've said, and you know, Walter Smith, when he came back for his second spell, immediately went and get Davy Weir just to plug plug gaps and you know, get somebody with real experience. I think that will be a, 
that's something that, that Steven Gerrard will look at. Um, I mean, just off the top of my head, and I'm not saying that they should go for him or would go for him, but just say somebody like uh, Wes Morgan at Leicester, who's sitting on the bench every week. Um, I think I'm right in saying his, his contract's running out. No, Brendan Rodgers uses him at Leicester now as a kind of uh, as a kind of stopgap. No, uses him for his experience in the dressing room. He's a title winning title winning captain. So there will be guys like that out there that Steven Gerrard might look to in the same way he did McCauley and think I could bring him in for a year. And if I need him, he's there. He'll be good for the dressing room. You know what you're getting from him. Um, or as I say, they could go down the loan route. I don't think there's any point in going and getting a young loan player, you no, know, from a Liverpool or elsewhere, to come in and be fourth choice centre. But I think when you go and get these loan guys, they need to play games. I mean, that's why they're coming. It's part of their development to go and get games. As fourth choice behind Golds and Hillander and Edmondson, you're not going to get that. So I don't think that will be a route you can do. It's okay doing that with one of your own academy players, but no one you're actually going to a club and asking for a player on loan. So he'll have, he'll have various options, but I just think in terms of the question, will they go and get somebody? I think they have to. Because of the circumstances, I think he will want four cast-iron centre-backs when, when Rangers start the season for all these for all these games coming up in different competitions. Yeah, Wes Morgan's actually just signed a new contract, giving him another right. year, Scott. Um, but I'll tell you one name that's available is Phil Yagielka. Um, yeah. Now, he's 36, 37 now, but again, if you're thinking in the Gareth McCauley mould, he's a guy yeah, that yeah. played with Stephen Gerrard uh, for England. Yeah. He could be a guy that could come in and, and fill that role, couldn't he? Yeah, so, somebody of that ilk. I mean, I, I watched Jagielka play for Sheffield United a couple of weeks ago in a game at Old Trafford, and no, that was a tough game for Sheffield United, so it was probably found a wee bit wanting that day, but that's the level... Phil Jagielka's at in his career. Um, no, he isn't the player he, he was 10 years ago. Do you know what I mean? So, But that'll be the type of player I'm talking about. It's whether they can go and get somebody short-term for the year. As I say, he'll be good for the dressing room. You know, brings a lot of... You know, brings a wealth of experience at a high level. Obviously, coming into play Scottish Premiership isn't the same intensity or quality than, uh, than it is in the Premier League. So... Aye, listen, somebody like that, I think Gerard and Ross Wilson will probably have another list of names like that, you know, short-term fixes, if you like, to come in and cover for Katic. You know, the type of player that you could explain to them, here's why you're coming in. You know, we've got this boy, it's injured, I need backup, I need you to be ready to step in, and I need you to be good for the, the dressing room. If that's the, the route that, that Rangers decide to go down, then guys like that, of course, will come into their thinking. Scott Cameron's asked, is there any point in having an academy if Rangers just buy loan a player to cover the Katic injury? And I can see where he's coming from, but at the same time, it comes back to this issue of how important this season ahead is. This is a critical season for Steven Gerrard. It's a critical season for the club. It's a historic season for Scottish football. And for me... I just think, while I'd normally totally back Scott Cameron's point here, that they should be bringing in a youngster to fill that spot, and that's the whole point of having that expensive system in place to produce players, I don't think this is the season for the manager or for the club to be taking a gamble on that, Scott. 
No, listen, I, I tend to agree. As I've said, I would always back uh, that no, that kind of system. I, I think any manager that's got four centre-backs should always look to, when possible, have the fourth one as, as one of the young players, one of the up-and-coming young players. Um, and listen, I think Steven Gerrard in an ideal world would want that to be the case. But it boils down to, I keep saying it, whether these young players are good enough or not. And... No, it looks with 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 John Flanagan and Matt Polster not leaving. It looks as if you no, know, like Nathan Patterson, for instance, is going to be the the backup right back now at Tavernier, which is brilliant for Rangers. You no, know, brilliant for Scotland. We want to see young players get getting a chance. Uh, and Stephen, if that's the case, Stephen Gerrard obviously feels he's good enough for that role and he can rely on him and he can trust him um, if he needs to, to put him in. And it'll be the same when it comes to Lewis Mayo or any of the other centre-backs. Uh, I'm sure if Stephen Gerrard had the choice of going into the market again or promoting one of the young players, obviously he'd want, to, he'd want one of the young kids going in there. Um, but it boils down to whether he's good enough and also, as you say, you know, this season of all seasons, can you take a gamble on on young players that, that you're not sure about um, and if anything happened to the, the other centre backs, no, you might need you might need this boy to come in and come in and play. That that'll be the no, that'll be the real dilemma in Steven Gerrard's head at the minute. And it's going to be interesting to see what way he falls. I, I might be wrong, but my gut instinct is that he'll probably want to be you no know, play safe and just go and get a go and get a short term fix. We should touch on Matt Polster's departure, Scott, because it did um, strike me as quite impressive that Rangers have managed to get uh, upwards of 350,000, rising to potentially 400,000 yep. for a player they got for nothing who's barely played. This is yet another example of having a director of football that is bang on the money with his contacts. Yep. Uh, and it seems that Ross Wilson, in terms of moving players on, is it's looking a lot more effective than Mark Allen. No, listen, I think you're right. I don't think there's any doubt that Ross Wilson, uh, no, with the experience he's got or experience he's had down south, um, no, his contacts look to be really good. He started really well. A lot of the stuff that's happened there um, has been has been pretty impressive. And no, that's probably another one. He does look certainly more adept than, than Mark Allen at being able to move players on. I mean, if you remember, the was it last summer or the summer before Mark Allen was there in the Rangers, this situation, there was four or five guys um, basically training on their own. I think it was like Kyle Lafferty, Graham Dorans, Jordan Ross, sort of people like that. Rangers were really struggling, uh, struggling to move them on. Um, and obviously that, that falls into the director of football's remit. So I agree with you, I think, you know, he get Polster in for nothing. Nobody had really heard of him. Obviously, Stephen Gerrard had come across him from his time in America. Got him in for nothing. Didn't really, uh, no, didn't he really impress as much, you no, know, as probably Gerrard and the, the fans would have hoped. I think people hoped it would become, you no, know, this utility guy who would fill in different positions, you no, know, but always do a good job for you, and you no, know, you could rely on him. Didn't quite work out that way, and you just get a certain feeling for players that they might just not be at the at the level required for for Rangers in terms of where they want to be. And I think Polster 
probably fell into that category. Um, and I think it's just yet another example of what we spoke about before in terms of this season. I think Gerard really does want to streamline that squad uh, and you know, trim the squad and have it kind of bursting with, with quality rather than rather than quantity. And I think this is this is another example of that. And and if he can you no know, if he can incorporate a couple of the young players like Patterson into that, then um, that has to be good for everyone. We're going to take a bit of a wide right turn now with a question about Adam Lallana. Now, Charlie Adam brought this up, of course, when we had him on the podcast, uh, that Lallana was a guy whose contract was coming to an end that Rangers should be thinking about looking at. Certainly, I've watched and admired him over the years in England, such a tidy, skillful intelligent little player who who just picks up those little pockets of space. I know it's a cliche and causes real problems for teams. Now, he can play off the off the front or he can play in midfield. He can play wide right. He's he's clever, isn't he? And even though he's 32, this is one that one of our listeners has uh, has has mentioned again. Yeah. But he's asking, is it a pipe dream, Scott? Is is the idea of getting a player of his standing he's, he's only 32 could Rangers pull that off? Because significant wages. He'll be on a hundred grand a week, you'd imagine. Yeah, it'll, it'll, it would come down to finances. Well, it come down to two things, Johnny: finances, and also, you know, Adam Lallana's attitude in terms of where he wants to be playing his football. I mean, I've read Jurgen Klopp talking about him today in terms of his attitude, his professionalism, and his quality in training, even though he, he hasn't been playing for Liverpool. Uh, because they don't want to kind of jeopardise his next his next move. He would, you no know, Rangers are crying out for a right-sided player, as we know, in terms of you know, playing in that front three. He can also play in a midfield three, obviously, but if you look at that position, uh, playing on the right of that three uh, that Rangers kind of deployed just now, Lalana would absolutely walk into that position. And be your starter every week with the with the quality that he's got. It would be a phenomenal signing for Rangers, even at, at 32. Um, and listen, Stephen Gerrard will know him. No, could have a chat with him. Could try and influence him. That's why, because you've got Gerrard as manager, that's why it doesn't necessarily have to be a pipe dream. Because of course, with Gerrard's influence, it could be possible. But with the finances involved, in terms of what Lalana would be looking for wages-wise, and also I think because he is still so fit and he's not played a great deal of football in the last couple of years for Liverpool, I think he'll still think that he can go elsewhere in the, the Premier League and play every week. And I think ultimately that might be the, you know, if there was any interest there, that might be the, the deciding factor uh, that makes it a no-go for Rangers, is that Lalana, I think, would want to stay there. Now, We've mentioned it before. It might not that might not be the case. He, Lallana might think, you know what? No, I've done it at the Premier League. I want something different. I want a fresh challenge. I want to still go and try and win, try and win trophies, win a title. And obviously, having Steven Gerrard as manager might make Rangers appealing. Um, but listen, if they could get him, what a signing it would be in a position where they're crying out for someone of that of that ilk. Um, but it would be, a, I think it would be a difficult one to get over the line. He has had a lot of injury problems, Scott, in he has. years as well. Significant hamstring problems. Yeah. 
um, groin problems. So it's one of those as well whereby if, if you're taking a punt, if you're, a, say, a Southampton, for example, and you're taking a punt on Adam Lallana to bring him back, he's not going to be your highest earner. Um, he can slot in, and, you know, if it doesn't work out, it's not a big deal. But if Rangers are going to push the boat out yeah. to sign someone like that, he needs you need to be playing, playing every week. week. And yeah, exactly. with someone with that injury record, I suppose that would be the concern uh, there. Right, OK, we're going to move on now, Scott, to the, um, the feature that we've been doing where we discuss... A great player from Rangers past. Now, um, I think we've discussed uh, in the podcast uh, Mark Walters and Michael Moll so far. And today, my choice is going to be Ronald De Boer. The reason uh, I uh, decided that we should discuss him was just because when he arrived at Rangers, it was probably the, the most exciting signing that I've seen come into Scottish football for a long time, even at that time, even when there was lots of big names coming in, because you think of players like Henrik Larsson and, and, yeah. and Giovanni Van Bronckers, these guys were starting their careers. Yeah. Whereas Ronald De Boer was a guy coming in, I think he was 29 when he arrived at Rangers. He was a proper Barcelona superstar who had been there and done it. Yeah. And you had a feeling that in that team, the way Advoca played, you just needed that guy who was going to sit in behind the striker. They had Moles who had been injured, but if he was going to come back and you had De Boer and Moles up front together, you yeah. kind of felt like it was a final jigsaw piece. Yeah. And, of course, he took a little bit of time to get used to the manic craziness of Scottish football, but once he did, he was he was spectacular, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. I mean, it's, it's like a different world, Johnny, than... I mean, we think, but we're talking, we spent, God, a season, a season and a half on this podcast talking about Rangers and needing a number 10 or a guy that can come in and create chances and there's no that kind of final pass or cutting edge or whatever. To think at that time Rangers were able just to go and get a guy like Ronald De Boer, 29 years old, still at his peak, you know, from Barcelona, four and a half million, five million, whatever it was at the time. I mean, to think, Rangers could just solve a problem just like that with a guy that quality. I mean, it does seem like an absolute lifetime ago. Um, but no, you're right. He was a bona fide, no, huge star. Uh, when you look at the clubs he'd played for, the levels he'd been at, to think that Rangers could just go and get a guy like that. Obviously, we advocate being a big, a big influence in Rangers having that kind of spending power at the time. Uh, it was a kind of different market, obviously, in terms of transfers. Um, but an unbelievable signing um, for Rangers at that time. I'd argue that it probably took them up, well, maybe took them up a notch, took them up a level, if you like, certainly with some of the European performances where De Boer was, was instrumental. Um, at time, don't get me wrong, I think at times he would have frustrated the Rangers fans a bit because he's never a guy that was going to... No, he had so much kind of grace about him, so much kind of class on the park, but he was never a guy that was going to steam into tackles or going one headers and all that. And you no, know, being Scottish football, that's what punters want from every player, doesn't matter where they come from. But when he was on it, when he was on his game, uh, you know, when he produced his best performances, it was uh, it was sensational at times. Well, he famously said he couldn't understand it when uh, the fans would cheer someone chasing a ball down. Yeah, that's right. And he, he, he sort of said, "Well, why, why would I do that? You know, I'm a, I'm a Rolls Royce 
Well, that, he didn't say that, but that was the kind of uh, implication yeah. that, you know, I, I conserve my energy for the important things, the yeah. decisive things. And listen, I can understand that mentality. That's a, a Scottish football trope, isn't it? You want your players yeah. to, to really get stuck in and you're talking about it there. But these Dutch guys are schooled on a technical level that we're just not yeah. used to. And, and they, they focus on that in their game. The other thing, of course, is he brought his brother for a, for yeah. a short six-month spell. And you remember those two in the team together. Now, Rangers were not good by that point. Alex McLeish was having a no. bit of a nightmare spell. But if anything, Scott, just seeing Frank De Boer towards the end of his career, you thought, oh, God, can you imagine what this guy would have been like three years ago? Because he, he was just a, a, so smooth and so good with the ball coming out of the fence. Yeah. Uh, there's not been many defenders in Scottish football that have had uh, the kind of class that he showed, even though he was only there for four or five months. No, that's what I was going to say. I mean, it's hard to actually remember the, the Frank De Boer spell clearly. I mean, I, one game that kind of sticks out was the game where they actually lost at Hamden against Hibs in the, the penalty shootout. Um, and they get knocked out the cup. And you're right, Rangers as a team were struggling at that point. But but my memory is that, that Frank De Boer, even during that difficult spell, was just terrific. No, it was just even at that stage in his career, you could tell that it was that it was a class apart. And you're right. No, if you could have got him at his peak at centre back, um, it would have been unbelievable for Rangers. Um, and these guys, no, and you tend to find it with a lot of the Dutch players. They just have that confidence bordering on arrogance um, that they think or they believe they're better than, than everyone else in the pitch. And Ronald, in particular, I think had that and I think you no know, he had that strut about him. Um and you no know, the kind of sign of that is that you no know, he produced it in big games. My, certainly my memory is that those Champions League nights, uh some of the Champions League nights at Ibrooks in particular, some of the old firm games, the cup finals against Celtic, that's when De Boer really came to the you no know, came to the fore because he believed that, that was that was where he belonged. That was his stage. That's why he was brought. No, that's when he had to turn it on. And he did because he had that quality. Um, and that that just shows you the... No, that shows you what these guys are all about. No, they believed they were better than than every other player. Um, and listen, at that time, the Scottish football and Rangers were dominating. They probably were. Yeah, one of the things about him was he was so versatile, wasn't he? I mean, he could play up front as a sort of false nine, but yep. he could play right or left. He was in behind. I remember watching the Scottish Cup final uh, right at the start of lockdown when the BBC showed the, the famous right. 3-2 game, and he was playing in centre midfield that day. Yep. And really, he looked like a natural centre midfielder. One of the things yep. about him was, that, of course, his injury problems meant he, he was restricted in his movement of his knees. Yes. Um, but but you know still in there he he got about the pitch well and he was just so calm on the ball every time he got it he just passed it to a member a member of the a member of his team without any problems yeah the thing about that game Johnny if you watch it again was that it was just the the time that he apparently or he seemingly had on the ball or I mean that game was manic in terms of no end to end that typical firm kind of fervor. De Boer was the one guy in the pitch that just never looked flustered, never looked phased, um, never panicked in the balls. You see, it wasn't anything, no really eye catching or didn't do anything sensational in the game. But every time he got it, even in that kind of 
midfield, uh, kind of minefield. No, he just kept uh, just kept giving it to a Rangers player and kept Rangers ticking over, kept possession, calmed everything down when he was on it. Um, and that's what it was all about to do it. No, on that occasion at that at that level, um, as I say, that just that just proved what a top top player he was. Right, we're going to call time on the podcast now. Um, thanks for all your questions. We will be back next week, of course, probably Tuesday, but perhaps Wednesday with all your latest Rangers news. If you want to contact us in the meantime, of course you can on Twitter. I'm at Johnny R. McFarlane and Scott is at Scott McDermott 8 If you can give us a five-star review on iTunes, that would be much appreciated as it gets the podcast to as many listeners as possible. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.